Welcome to the Business of Security podcast, episode number 24. Your hosts are Chad Beckman and Malcolm Harkins. Today, they talk with Jason Lish, Chief Information Security and Privacy Officer for Advisor Group. Now let's get to it. the industry need to start talking about that we're not doing today. Information technology is built on a horrible foundation. If we could sort of redo and start from the beginning, we would be so much better off. If you don't invest in it, keep it running, it will blow up. You also have to be able to go in with solutions, not just problems. We have a long way to go if we're going to win this fight. At the end of the day, educated people are really the best countermeasure against all the threats, the threats, the threats. Welcome to the Business of Security podcast. This is Chad Beckman, and joining me today is Jason Lish and Malcolm Harkins. Welcome, guys. Hey, good afternoon. So, Jason, uh, you're new to the podcast. Malcolm and I had a previous session here uh, about a month ago. Uh, Would you mind giving us a little background for the listeners on kind of your experience and uh, the nature of your role today? Sure. I appreciate you having me on. And um, been great working with you on the advisory for, for TrustMap as well. So uh, appreciate the invite. Uh, again, I'm Jason Lish, I 20 plus years in security and technology. Uh, started my career in the military, uh, spent some time at uh, companies like Honeywell, Schwab, Aon Hewitt um, in, in various capacities from a, from a security and technology perspective. Uh, current role is I'm the uh, Chief Security Privacy and, and Data Officer for Advisor Group. Um, who's the second largest independent broker dealer in the country. Um, and we provide financial services to independent advisors and, uh, you know, lots going on in the, in the financial sector overall. So been, uh, it's been very rewarding and challenging. And, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, it's a great time to be in this space and, and helping uh, the overall industry move forward. Great. Thanks for that background, Jason. And absolutely, financial services is ever evolving, it seems, uh, particularly over the last few years. Uh, and Malcolm, welcome. Yeah, thanks, uh, Chad. And uh, again, some of your listeners probably already know, but uh, I'm Chief Security and Trust Officer with uh, Cymatic, an early stage startup focused on, on web application, defense and security. Uh, previous to that, Chief Security and Trust Officer for Silence Corporation for four years. And then uh, prior to that was at Intel for 24 years. And my last role was Worldwide Chief Security and Privacy Officer. Great. Thank you. Today, we have an interesting topic, a topic that we lobbed around uh, between the three of us here. And this is a, I guess, a a small panel discussion, if you will. We're going to be talking about grow your own CISO. What does that really mean? And we're going to hear from our two experts uh, and get their perspective on this build versus buy scenario. Uh, similarly, if you were to look at acquiring a solution, are you going to develop that in-house? If, if that is your core competence, maybe it's something to consider. Uh, if it is not, uh, maybe it's something that you want to look to the outside uh, to acquire. And so the same goes for your security leader, uh, whether that be officially a chief information security officer or somebody that wears that hat uh, without the official title. And uh, I guess I first want to let's uh, why don't you start us off, Malcolm, and, and kind of cue us up. Uh, have you ever been in the situation of this grow your own CISO scenario, uh, hiring versus uh, mentoring and coaching somebody internally? Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be honest, uh, it starts with myself. Um, I wasn't uh, ready made to be a CISO. I wasn't uh, even 
thinking of doing that role and then kind of tripped my way into security 18 and a half years ago. And, and so I've had to build myself into being a chief information security officer, chief security and trust officer over the years. And then over that time period, both at Intel, uh, Silence, um, I, I think, again, I, I looked and said, how do I cultivate and curate the, the skills necessary um, to be a 21st century CISO, um, some of which I, I've written in, in my books on managing risk and information security. Because I think even if you go down a, a path to, say, buy and go you know, uh, hire a, uh, a well-situated CISO, if they don't have the skill set to build the next one, then um, they might not actually be the right CISO. That's absolutely correct. So how do you go about determining who is the right CISO? Is there a certain profile we, you know, you look for or, or organizations that are looking to fill this position, uh, certain criteria or skill set? Well, for me, I think it boils down to there's kind of three primary skill sets that I call a Z-shaped individual. The, the person has to have a breadth of business acumen. So if you take the top of the Z and, and you create the horizontal line, that's the breadth of business acumen. That's their ability to add value to the business, communicate with the business, and, and coordinate um, for action. The bottom of the Z is the technical um, breadth, and that's their ability to communicate, coordinate, and, and add value into IT or the product side of things if, if it's a technology company. And then the hash that, that connects the two is their risk security controls and compliance depth. And, uh, and then surrounding all that are, are the appropriate um, kind of attributes of, of the character qualities that we want. You know, somebody with a level of independence and objectivity and, and a level of selflessness, um, you know, because this is a thankless task in many ways. Um, and so you, you have to have the right values surrounding um, the core skills of, of the business, the technical understanding, and then the risk and security acumen. Jason, let's pass it over to you. Uh, given your background, particularly, you know, way back when you were in the military and, and certainly your time at Honeywell uh, running, you know, security operations, uh, what is your take on this in terms of growing versus uh, maybe acquiring skills for an organization, security leadership? Yeah, and, and that's, this is always a, a good um, discussion on on you know, especially the way the market is today with as much movement is occurring. Um, you know, there's not enough talent. We, we've talked about the talent strategies, the metrics around that now and into the future. So it's imperative that we, you know, try, that we go after, you know, those key um, talent resources uh, that um, either have worked with us or within our network that, you know, we can bring over and build up. And, you know, similar to Malcolm, you know, I, I look for, you know, certain qualities as well, the, the technical and business acumen, the emotional intelligence, ability to, you know, strategically execute, um, and then have them, if they're able to build high-performing teams as well, those are, you know, some of the things I look at, um, you know, when I'm trying to, to groom somebody um, in a succession type role, because Again, as, as Malcolm said, if, if you're not looking at your succession plan, then you're probably not the right leader because oftentimes you, you may get tapped on the, you know, on the shoulder and, and asked to take on a, a broader role where you've got to be ready and have that pipeline. You know, I'll give you an example where I was caught off guard just in a recent role. 
um, where my boss left. Uh, he was the COO for, for Alight and took the uh, number two role at Xerox. And the uh, CEO turned to me and said, hey, I, I want you to take the CIO role. And I didn't have a successor and you know, I hadn't really been thinking about it. I was a year into the role and I quickly had to scramble to, to backfill myself. And it's, it's a position I never wanna be in again where I'm trying to find somebody from the outside and reach out to my network. Um, you know, and so the biggest thing is no matter if you're you know, new to the, the CISO role of the organization or you've been there for many years, it's important to always be thinking about that because you never know how things shift in, in, in an organization or in the industry. That's a really good point. And, you know, I think everybody needs to have a backup plan to succeed their roles for many different reasons. Right. Um, and what does that typical support person look like if we have maybe a larger enterprise, that role is, likely considered a deputy CISO, uh, somebody that is being groomed and sort of the, the, sec, the right-hand person uh, to support the CISO, even if an extended business trip or vacation uh, comes about um, or a temporary leave for health reasons. I've seen that happen before where the deputy CISO steps in. But what about the mid-market, perhaps, where they maybe don't have the bent strength that a large enterprise does? Uh, what does that title may look like? And, and maybe it's not even, maybe the security leader, by the way, is not even a CISO, technically. Maybe they have the CISO role, but they don't have the title. So I think it helps our, our listeners to understand, given the different circumstances they might be in, as to whom to may, we want to look to on our team. And um, how do we acknowledge that a certain individual is the successor to the security leader when we're in those types of situations? Yeah, this Malcolm, you know, and, and, it, and it's interesting, right? Because you, you know, if you look at, at my path, right, I went from a hundred and some thousand person company when I had hundreds of people working for me. And, and clearly I had a, a couple people on my staff and, and a couple adjacent people who, um, you know, you, you groom them by having them cover for vacations, cover for sabbaticals. You rotate them through roles so that they have the experience necessary to step in um, when you're not around. Um, you know, in a mid-market company, it's in reality not that different other than the scale, the scale and scope is different. I mean, I went from a 120,000-person company to a 100-person company when I joined Silent to a 15-person company when I joined Cymatic. The only difference is, is the scale and the scope. The job is still the same. Um, and, and so then when you look at it that way, for me, it just becomes a how do you groom the people for that scale and the scope? Just like if you were a mid-market CISO, um, launching from that to being the, the chief security officer for you know, Intel, Cisco, General Motors, or something like that is light years different because of the scale and scope. And so even from there, you, you've got to have to grow yourself into those, those roles. And, and one way I've always found to do it is, you know, unfortunately, there's a variety of incidents that we all experience. And in rotating people into being incident commander for complex incidents, having a middle manager um, you know, take the, uh, the rain to drive the annual budget and strategic planning exercise and, and basically give them those experiences 
over time is to me the best way to to grow people into it. Yeah, and and to add on to that, I, I think one of the things that we always need to be cognizant of is is the ability to release control. Because oftentimes, you know, we you want to make sure we're providing that political air cover or um, seeing things through, uh, you know, high demand request or even when there's critical incident. But those are probably the the biggest opportunities to have people step up. Um, you know, it's one thing to be out on vacation or whatever, and and you know something may come up during that time frame. But you know, whether it's presenting to you know executive leadership staff or running with a, a budget process or a critical incident, um, being able to delegate and have folks that uh, you can really put into those those high pressure roles to see how they respond, how they react, and then to provide feedback and mentoring in real time, I, I find always to be invaluable. The other thing is, is I'm not sure it's, it's really dependent on the role, uh, more so than the desire to understand a holistic security program. In larger organizations, to both your points, you know, it's, some are fortunate to have deputy CISO where, where it's made known that, you know, that's most likely going to be the successor. But in other organizations, you may have a head of operations, a head of, of governance and risk or architecture where, you know, you, you need to start picking out those those characteristics and uh, even doing rotations sometimes to get them exposed to, to other areas of a security program, I, I think are important. But going back to the exposure piece, I think that's really critical is to put those folks into those those situations when they arise and not just the first inclination is just to, to run with it um, to get it closed out. But, uh, you know, as we've seen that the people around you don't necessarily have the opportunity to grow. You know, that is uh, excellent training on the job, real-time training. And most importantly, I think, as you indicated, Jason, real-time feedback and coaching uh, as it is definitely needed while, you know, grooming somebody to be a leader um, in this type of role. Now, how do you determine, you know, if somebody is going to make the cut or not? And how quickly can you really identify that? Is this person really going to be the ideal successor to the security uh, leadership in this organization? And if you arrive at that decision, uh, how long does it take generally, and I know circumstances and people uh, are all characteristics of the decision process, and, and time is certainly uh, part of that equation as well, but I just want to get a little bit more lens into that evaluation process. If you are growing your own security leadership and, and ultimately uh, successor into this role, how do you begin to make those judgments? You know, I th- I think it has to be done over a course of time, and you know, again, unfortunately, I think the state that that uh, we're in in the cybersecurity industry, when CISOs are changing jobs every eighteen to twenty four months, you could argue it's it's not well situated for them to groom anybody because uh, they're either you know job hopping or they're getting fired. Um, and then the question becomes, why is that the case? Is it because of their lack of leadership acumen and their lack of skills? Um, or is it because there's, there's additional opportunities? So it, it, you know, I think unless you have a multi-year process and an organization where you have that, um, ability to, to groom and grow and, and test people, 
it, it's a multi-year process and um, we can't shortcut it. And, and unfortunately, I think just given the nature of the, the CISO turnover, it's being shortcutted and that's doing a disservice to our organizations broadly, let alone, um, you know, potentially the shareholders of those organizations. That's a, that creates a compound effect, right? If somebody is uh, put into the role prematurely um, in, in certain environments, then it could create unnecessary churn overall because, you know, then they burn themselves out and then they, they, they sort of put that, that bad mark on themselves where if there was a bit more time, you know, they, they might have had more success. But we're seeing that now where somebody is, is put into a role and then and then they don't make it, and all of a sudden now their their reputation's tarnished. Where, you know, that they're actually a, a good leader. They were just up and coming, and it might have been uh, you know too soon for that. So, wherever we can, um, you know, if there's opportunities that present themselves to, to us as CISOs, um, you know, sometimes if if we move too quickly, uh, that can that can create a, a, a downward negative effect on on. The folks that we've been working to to train up or the organization itself that brings up a really good point so you know let's say just for uh, sake of argument here uh, for our discussion um you know i'm i'm one of those individuals that you know you guys perhaps are considering and, and coaching for this role, what skills do I need to look for? And maybe more importantly, what's been said here is, uh, what characteristics of the organization do I need to pay attention to in order to see if this path and that I'm investing my time in at this organization is going to ultimately pay off and work out, right? or if I need to seek outside, which should be done anyway, outside guidance and coaching and education, uh, but even perhaps a different opportunity to uh, grow into a CISO role. You, do you understand my question there? Yeah, I think so. Well, I, I mean, I coach a lot of, a lot of up and comers and existing CISOs almost weekly with, with people. Um, and so I see it from different angles. And I think there's, there's a couple aspects of it. Sometimes, I'm a big believer in structure drives behavior and you get what you measure. And sometimes there's a certain personality characteristic or trait um, or style that is better suited to the role at a particular time in a company. Um, you know, I'll just take myself as an example. I am uh, uh, fairly provocative in my thinking. I'm strongly opinionated and I don't mind picking fights. Um, that's a style that doesn't work well in some organizations. Um, it does work fine in others. And so you have to think about, you know, uh, you know, Jason, and I mentioned the, the business acumen, technical acumen, stuff like that. And, and, and we all know kind of the broad typical leadership traits, but you also have to look at the personality and style and, and see if it's a fit for that organization at the time that that organization needs that style. Sometimes you might need somebody who's a little bit more um, reserved um, for a period of time, but can kick into a more assertive and, and aggressive style when needed. Sometimes an organization, frankly, needs a little bit of shock and awe, and uh, either internally in the InfoSec team to, to get it moving in the right direction, or more broadly, 
in the broader company um, that you're serving in order to get them to pay attention to things. So I, it's unfortunately not a one-dimensional thing. It's 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 the the skills and capability of the person, but there's also I think a high personality component, and and how that personality component um, meshes um, in the right way um, with what the organization's needs are, because sometimes an organization might need a bull in a china shop, um, which I think was the case when when I was asked to run security and business continuity. I had thick skin. I didn't mind picking a fight. And the the company needed to get moving on stuff. And so I think, you know, when I was asked to go do it, it was more because of my business acumen and my style um, in terms of what was needed. And then, you know, I stayed doing it at, at Intel for another 12, 13 years after that before I left. And, and Malcolm, you bring up a good point, and maybe I'll, I'll turn this to you too, is, um, you know, they say good leaders are adaptable, right? And, you know, they can conform to different cultures and environments, but how realistic have you seen that across the spectrum of, of up and coming CISOs? Because some have the ability to do that and, and it depends on their upbringing and, you know, just their overall personality. But, um, you know, some don't have the luxury of trying to pick and choose different cultures beforehand. They sort of get thrown into it and then they, they have to work their way up and try to navigate around that um, and, and work to, to, you know, on relatable skills and, um, you know, different things that uh, they may not have been taught, but then, you know, have to um, have to quickly figure out. Yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think it's just, it's, it's hard, right? Because I think when you, you know, and I think this would be true of any executive role, there's some of those uh, qualitative components that, you, you, you know, we all try to be, in essence, a little bit of a chameleon, right, to be able to blend. But if I'm a chameleon of one size that can blend in, in some environments, I you know, take a different animal who can blend in in different environments. I think it just becomes one of, of culture and, and fit. And that might also be one of the reasons why we see such high CISO turnovers. There's you know, um, there isn't that cultural fit at the time or the broader organization shifts a little bit and and somehow the CISO and, and some of the team get disjointed from the broader organizational culture. Yeah. Yeah. And w- one of the things I've, I've tried to do when uh, bringing an up and coming leader uh, along is getting, getting them some outside mentorship within the business. So even outside of technology or security, but somebody, you know, a trusted leader that's been in the business for, you know, for a period of time that has had the landscape and has a different lens. I think that is sometimes invaluable is to connect them with even folks within your network um, outside of the organization to be able to, to have a, a trusted, uh, unbiased point of view that they can, uh, you know, bounce ideas off of, even even beyond, you know, the, the advice that you're giving directly as well. Um, I've always found that to be uh, helpful for uh, for leaders. You know, I was I was thinking about what you were saying before, Malcolm, about the timing of the uh, organization, where the organization is, maybe in their life cycle. I think of it uh, perhaps really uh, maturity of that organization and uh, what they need to get done and uh, certain drivers for that, or perhaps they're in basically a, 
a run rate mode, right? But uh, I'm almost thinking, you know, this is probably a topic for a whole nother discussion, but is there some type of, uh, or a set of rather, not one or two, but probably multiple characteristics, both of the individual, right? And their personality, as both of you have discussed, their experience, um, the business and technical acumen, all of those characteristics, and then mapping that to a business profile based on perhaps the industry, the size of the company, the um, maturity of that organization. Are they just checking the box and achieving compliance and it's uh, boiling up to a point where they have to do better than that? Um, or um, have they already done better and they need somebody just to run it uh, based on what's already been built and operationalized? I wonder if there are some mappings, if you will, between individual characteristics and the characteristics of the business. Oh, I think there are, you know, because some people are incredibly hungry, right? And they want to be in, a, you know, a growth-oriented company with a level of chaos and change and innovation and 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 struggle and, and all that. And, you know, other folks, you know, in their particular life situation might want something that's more steady state, um, where they're still having impact and they're still have the ability to, to make a difference, but, but don't want a business in chaos. You know, again, tech industry is different than automotive, which is different than retail, which is different, you know. So there's some of it that might also apply into, you know, the, the, uh, the business pattern in, in particular industries. Jason, have you seen uh, any patterns such as that? Because I know you've come from uh, multiple different industries uh, over the last uh, dozen years or so. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I've I've gone from from government to, to manufacturing to finance, and one of the things that's been invaluable for me is getting you know exposure to different cultures and uh, environments to be able to understand you know how to adapt over time. Um, you know, some people aren't aren't fortunate enough, but I think it comes down to you know you, you have the culture, you have the decision making process. You know, some cultures are very passive aggressive, while others are very direct and candid. Um, and and I think as a as a security leader, really understanding, you know, what the risk posture is and and how to articulate that, um, you know, in in the the business language that that particular organization speaks to is is critical. And for up and coming leaders, being able to point that out and you know. Um, uh, how that how that looks from a West Coast company versus an East Coast company versus a Midwest. Um, you know, we put these stereotypes, you know, on, on these organizations, and sometimes that's true. And then, you know, then there's a big shakeup, and they bring in folks from, you know, a different type of culture. And then we've seen a class of culture clash of cultures. So I think it's it's really coming back down to, you know, what is where does the organization want to go? What is the risk tolerance? Is it compliance based? Is it, um, you know, do they want to embed security, you know, uh, route the program, you know, those type of things. And going back to your thing about um, skill sets, you know, we usually break it up into IQ, EQ, SQ, and TQ. So you've got your technical and business acumen, your emotional intelligence, your 
strategy, execution, the ability to, to build teams and then, you know, creativity. Um, sometimes it's good to do that mapping and have those conversations with folks of, you know, do they want to be creative? Do they want to focus on strategy or just ta tactical execution? Um, you know, and, and so that's, that's always a, a challenge when, uh, you know, you're having those conversations to be able to map those type of uh, qualities. So when you, when I hear you describe those characteristics and, and those skills, I think of uh, those uh, personality tests, right? Where you find out your disc score or, uh, you know, name one out there. There's many to choose from. Have you found, either of you found a, a profile, uh, profile tool that is very well served for the cybersecurity industry? Uh, you know, I, to, to your point, I've, I've done, I've done them all, you know, I, I, I like certain ones over others. Um, but for me, the importance of those are understanding strengths, uh, across your organization and, and where you can supplement certain, uh, weaknesses that you have. And then, uh, you, you know, we, we tend to gravitate to, to like-minded attributes and personalities, but sometimes, you know, that, that can be, um, challenging to you know to continue to look for or there may be advantage of, of getting you know opposites that that can attract so um i I've, I've done the the gallup strengths finder which doesn't necessarily focus on weaknesses it focuses on on continue to grow strengths um so let you know putting those challenges aside and really focusing on those things that that folks are extremely good at instead of trying to put you in certain boxes, which, um, you know, certain uh, personality tests do, I, I tend to shy away from those. Um, and then the other thing too, that, that we haven't really talked about is this concept of, of followership. And that's something that I've always looked at in leaders or up and coming leaders is, you know, if, if somebody moves from one department or another or a company to another, are there people that want to go and follow them that want to continue to work with them? Um, so, you know, when you look at your network and, you know, certain roles open up, do they have the ability to reach out and have folks that, that are in their network that would, uh, you know, jump at the opportunity to work with them again? I think that's sometimes a, an interesting indicator to, uh, you know, just general leadership as well. That's a really good point. And, uh, perhaps a, a a very you know interesting way to measure somebody's leadership potential. Uh, a manager of a department, uh, for example, moving to another company or another department within the company that you know has a, a few folks that want to follow that individual is a really great measurement. Um, in addition to determining, you know, a, ultimately what we're talking about here is uh, a successor or growing your own leaders, growing, growing your own security leaders. That's, that's quite interesting. Um, so as we kind of wrap this up, is there any specific guidance uh, that you would offer uh, individuals that are looking to become a CISO or perhaps level up their game today or grow from a, a mid-market company to a large enterprise? What are some parting thoughts or advice uh, that you could give our listeners? Uh, so I'll, I'll jump in this, Jason, and then uh, Malcolm can add on. 
I, I always uh, advise people not to just focus on on moving uh, vertically, you know, up, but focus on horizontal movement as well uh, to, to gain different experiences. So, you know, we, we often have this perception that we, you know, start in a, a sock role and then we move into, you know, a senior manager and then, uh, you know, a director and, and, you know, we're trying to shoot up to that CISO role. But sometimes it makes sense to pivot even outside of security into other technical roles or, um, you know, different areas of a overall security program just to get that holistic, you know, uh, mindset and, and perspective because being a CISO, um, you, you've got to think across the board and, and Malcolm touched on this earlier is, you know, you've got to understand, you know, the financials, the, the marketing aspects of how to sell a security program, um, you know, so perhaps even pursuing an MBA type uh, opportunity as, as people are progressing in their, in their careers, um, having that business acumen, being able to present and persuade, um, you know, so there's lots of things beyond just the technical skills. Um, so I think sometimes getting different components of that experience across different technology areas, security areas, and even, you know, business concentrations is important, you know, and is part of that journey um, from that, from, you know, a, a growth and development standpoint. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, I would, I would add to that. And I think Jason's spot on that, that diversity of, of background gives you a diversity of perspective. And I think it makes it easier for you to uh, be able to communicate, coordinate, to take action, not only within your team, but across the broader organizations. You know, one of the things that I think uh, many times gets left out, and I used to do this uh, at Intel and did it at, at Silence a couple of times um, as well. The, the, the chief information security officer or chief security officer role has become very, very, very visible the past few years. And um, I would always put some of my team and certainly some of my senior staff in the situations that that I had unfortunately had the opportunity to experience a few times. Um, being deposed is not a fun task and given the lawsuits occurring in the space, having you know people go through, even if it's a mock deposition with a fake plaintiff's attorney bearing down on them and see how they handle that. Um, putting them in front of the press and giving them media training so that way they can handle themselves accordingly. Those things will also allow you to see um, how resilient they are um, in um, very acute moments of pressure and how agile they are and their ability to think on their feet. And, and that is certainly a critical characteristic of most CEOs and, and business unit general managers that I've ever experienced. And if we don't kind of round ourselves out with some of that, we will also be missing um, some, some key skills that we need to be able to demonstrate and, um, and show we have. Well said, Malcolm. Uh, I think the key element here that uh, we heard from both Jason and Malcolm is don't get too mired in the technical um, experience. Of course, that is important to have a baseline understanding, but even perhaps more important is the, uh, the more squishy skills, right? The, 
uh, ability to communicate, uh, the ability to uh, manage a team and create a, a set of followers, essentially. Having that, as Jason pointed out, the emotional uh, intelligence, right? Uh, and so all of these things are, are great skills. If you're an up-and-coming uh, security leader looking to take the next challenge that you may want to consider and uh, looking at different roles as a result to round out your own experience and your own, uh, your own resume. So thank you guys. I appreciate your time uh, spending uh, on this topic today. And uh, anything else you want to leave with our listeners before we uh, conclude? You know, just, just one thing, you know, cause again, a lot of it's on, on leaderships. There's a, a quote from John Quincy Adams that uh, I've always I was always liked um, when people think about um, leadership. Um, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you're a leader. And uh, that's probably a good way to uh, determine if we have future leaders in our organizations is to look and see how they do that in others. Wow, that's a great quote. Thanks for sharing that, Malcolm. All right, guys, I appreciate your time. And until next time, this is Chad Beckman with the Business of Security podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Business of Security podcast. We want to hear from our listeners. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss in the podcast or would like to continue the conversation, please connect with us on Twitter at CyberSecPodcast or email us at businessofsecurity at trustsds.com. We want to extend a special thanks to today's guest, Jason Lish with Advisor Group. Our hosts today were Chad Beckman, founder of TrustMap, and Malcolm Harkins, Chief Security and Trust Officer with Cymatic. You can connect with both Chad and Malcolm on LinkedIn and learn more about TrustMap at trustmap.com. Find out more about Malcolm and Cymatic at cymatic.io. Our show was produced by Dan Rollins with Livewire Films. You can connect with Dan on LinkedIn and learn more about Livewire at livewirefilms.com. Be sure to stay tuned for the next episode of the Business of Security podcast. And that's a wrap.